Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. Two episodes this week as we kind of grind out some division previews here. Joining us today, good friends of the program, Ryan Kearney and uh, Donnie from Barodi on the Horn Podcast. Wow, guys, you know why you're here. We're here to talk about the NFC East today, obviously. I feel like this is about the... I see, so let's see, I've been doing this for what, probably like six, this might be my seventh NFL season, and I feel like I've had you guys on for the NFC East now, this will be like maybe the fourth or fifth time, so I feel like we've got a nice little tradition established here, uh, first off, I'll just ask you both, how, how are you doing, how's, how's Rothpod going, I know things are, are kind of slow here in the summer, 30 minute episode last week, that's kind of the way things go these days i do appreciate that you guys haven't been talking as much about baseball sometimes it feels like it gets to be a baseball heavy show and i'm not i'm not super i was telling ryan before we started i'm not super into baseball this year but um yeah it feels like uh you guys have kind of taken the off season to be the off season and 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 not not a not a ton of baseball talk on the rough pod recently yeah, well, I'll jump in first. Uh, sorry, Donnie, but I was just gonna say, th- first of all, thanks for having us, Eric. And second of all, you know, you gotta you gotta space out the baseball season a little bit. It's a very long grind. You can jump to early conclusions. Like we could have gotten all excited about the Pittsburgh Pirates in the month of May, and then now they suck. So we chose not to go with that route, and we're pretty much just kind of waiting to see how things go. Talk about the All Star break. Wait for the trade deadline. That's kind of the the standard baseball process for the Roth pod. But Donnie, what what else you got? I just want to hop in here and say this guy claims to be a Reds fan. The first time the Reds have been relevant ever, pretty much, in his, his entire life. I know. He picked up on the Reds. You picked the why, – why don't you watch some baseball, dude? Like the Reds, they're up a seven with the Dodgers in the third inning right now. I know, I know. It's been really bad. I do catch for Reds highlights on Twitter. That's that's about I you know I, I can't lie to you guys. I've watched maybe like five innings of Reds baseball this year, and that's maybe the only five innings of, of baseball I watched. But that was back at the beginning of the uh, year when they were bad. I know LA De La Cruz is like God level good, uh, but. Yeah, other than that, no, I, I've been kind of avoiding baseball. Like, I, I'm done pretending like I know about baseball or care about baseball. So I'm kind of, you know, I, I know that annoys Donnie, how I like hockey. Um, That is actually big, a fake fan. Actually a true passion. I do like hockey. I do watch a lot of hockey, even though maybe I don't know as much as Donnie <laughs> does and, and Ryan does for sure. I'm definitely the least knowledgeable about hockey on this call, but that doesn't mean I don't watch it and enjoy it. Baseball, I just like truly don't know anymore. Like I, I couldn't tell you who's good. Like are the Rays still good? I know that was a big story. They started really hot, I guess. Uh, the Braves, they've sort of. been Braves. I, I, I follow like a few Braves fans. They feel like they're pretty fired up. Mets suck. Like that's that's pretty much all I know about baseball right now. But the Angels aren't gonna trade Shohei Otani. What like that? What a wildly stupid move that is. Hopefully. Like they know he will resign, or I guess they don't. No, they don't. They don't. They certainly don't. They don't. Or, or I guess he'll just bounce for nothing. I guess, but uh, yeah, probably. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, even the bees. I've been to several bees games this year, but I couldn't name you like more than two or three players on the bees roster right now. It's it's been 
it's been a been a year of withdrawing from baseball, but I'm okay with that. I'm 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 overall happy with that. All right, let's get into the football aspect of this. Of course, we are we are talking about the NFC East, but I did just want to chat with you guys. Obviously, we're about a week into training camps in the NFL. Anything interesting you've seen? Obviously, we follow all these. I, I know at least I do all these like hype accounts where they re-aggregate like beat reporters stuff and like hype up certain players over the moon and then ultimately it doesn't matter in the end at all but anything interesting that's caught your eye on the on the i guess it's x now on the x streets these days uh, about like nfl training camp obviously we had some scary injury news earlier in the week a little garrett wilson injury a little joe burrow injury a little jalen ramsey injury injuries are catching up but yeah no uh i i feel like uh and which was unfortunate, but Joe Burrow injury happened literally a day after we did the AFC North preview. So uh, we didn't quite touch on that. Obviously going to be bad if he's hurt a long time, but uh, I feel like I heard, I saw a quote saying he'd be just out a few weeks and ready for the regular season. So yeah, uh, other than that, anything interesting catching your eyes on, on uh, the, you know, we hear things, we see things through podcasts, through reading stuff about football, anything like that. Or are you guys still kind of plugged out on football? I, I kind of lock into football right around this time of year. I got really locked in about a week ago and now, and now I'm kind of focused on that. All right. Uh, I will say something I will share to, to answer your question, Eric, I will say one thing that interests me, is how Jim Irsay just continues to make me laugh online. I just really enjoy it. It's uh, He really never fails anytime you, you see Jim Irsay's name show up. You're probably going to get some kind of a chuckle out of it, and that certainly happened as it relates to their superstar running back, Jonathan Taylor, who has requested a trade out of Indianapolis. And the owner, Jim Irsay, decided to tell the media after meeting with his star running back, an all-time quote, in my opinion, he said, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, no one's going to miss us. And I just think that is just a hilarious way to handle a situation in which your star player wants out of your team and you're talking about how he doesn't care and he could die and no one would miss Jonathan Taylor and the league goes on. And that's just so Jim Mersey. And I'm glad that he's continuing to make me laugh as someone who is not someone who considers themselves an Indianapolis Colts fan. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny. It does feel like Jonathan Taylor is in a really tough spot uh, in that he's got a new coach, new coaching staff, kind of a GM who's really on the hot seat. Probably don't want to give out a long-term deal to your running back right now. And it feels like eventually maybe things will change for running backs, like they'll renegotiate the CBA. But I feel like it's going to be a while and the guys that are, are griping right now are just not really going to benefit from it. They're fighting battles for guys that are in like high school slash early in college right now, it feels like. So, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I thought that quote was was funny as well. Mine actually was Colts related. I do just see keep seeing like insane clips of Anthony Richardson doing stuff. Um, and I know it's just practice footage and we shouldn't really buy that much into it, but it is exciting to see Anthony Richard like roll out to his left in a full sprint, then suddenly set his free and, and just deliver like a 75 yard dime to some unnamed uh, 
Colts fourth round draft pick. So it, it feels like uh feels like Anthony Richardson hype, which you know I, I I partaked in a little during the draft season. Feels like that that could pop up. I'm excited to watch him in the preseason for sure. Donnie, anything? Yeah, you know, I was going to talk about Jim Irsay as well, but RK covered that uh, clearly. So I'll actually, I'll kick off our NFC East uh, discussion here and just go with the Darren Waller comments. I haven't heard a single negative thing about Darren Waller the entire camp so far, which is great because if you remember correctly last year and years prior, uh, media was not necessarily super nice to him or super friendly to him. Obviously, there were contract disputes and such, which make it uh, a little bit more difficult, easier for a beat writer to pick on a player, or obviously some players are not the greatest teammates in the world. Uh, but uh, everything I've read and, and and pretty much everything that the beat writers are saying about Darren Waller is like, yeah, he's coaching, he's helping coach a little bit as a veteran player. Uh, he's being a good teammate. Um, and obviously, like, I'm sure it's nice to have your teammates and the media talking nicely about you after you got trashed for a couple of years, or at least like maybe not as much respect as he should have got um, given, you know, as mentioned before, contract disputes, stuff like that. Not saying he's going to be the greatest teammate in the world always, but it is nice to see somebody come into a new team um, that young needs some leaders, needs some veteran leadership, and uh, it seems like it's working out okay to start off. Yeah. Definitely. And I, I think we can just jump in here. The Giants, obviously, we'll, ju- we'll just start with them as our first NFC East team. Obviously, Donnie, the resident Giants fan here. And uh, my, my first question comes for, for you, Donnie, as we just kind of talk a little bit about the offense first. Um, obviously, last year, the story of the offense was they just managed Daniel Jones really well. They ran the ball super well. Uh, Danny Dimes, especially towards the end of the year, had a few really good performances where he kind of made some timely throws and got them wins. And they didn't turn over the ball much and they just focused on bar- ball control. And they won a- enough amount of games to get into the playoffs last year. My question for you is this the part of Daniel Jones' game that has always kind of been intriguing is he does kind of have a cannon, he does kind of have an arm. And he showed early in his career in that first stint with Joe Judge and people like that, that yes, he can throw the ball deep. And while he does have a tendency to make mistakes, especially in those early years, he he does have the ability to move the ball vertically down the field and, and move an offense in a way that is explosive. So my, my question for you is this, does Brian Dable take the training wheels off Danny Dimes just a little bit? and try to progress him at all this year? And the bigger follow-up to that being, you know, what does progress overall look like for this Giants offense going into the year? I don't know. That's interesting. I don't necessarily think, like, the training wheels were necessarily on Daniel Jones all the time. I just think the offense is better suited when your quarterback is not an elite quarterback um, and you don't have elite weapons. What's the point of trying to stretch the field against, especially uh, given the fact that the division, you know, the DBs are not necessarily easy to throw on. We saw the Eagles gave the Giants a lot of trouble defensively trying to pass the ball up the field. There was nothing open ever. It felt like uh, a lot of opportunities. Same with the Cowboys. They don't really move the ball very well uh, down the field against the Cowboys. But just in general, like, I I think it would still have to – it comes with them – increasing the amount of help that he gets down the field. It's not like Saquon Barkley is going to be a downfield option or anything. You're getting a guy for, for small check down plays, uh, get 
some some small chunk yardage, and that's pretty much all you're going for there. Uh, I still don't think they have the the downfield big play receiving targets that they would need to kind of take the training wheels off. Uh, realistically, it makes a lot of sense for them to game manage and to feed Barkley, maybe get Darren Waller a, a large part of the offense while he can, and then they need somebody like Hodgins or Slayton uh, to step up and really actually do something consistently give them a full season of consistency because it feels like and I mean anybody will tell you the Giants receiving core is never healthy Um, obviously Sterling Shepard being a big part of that like you can't really do anything if your guys can't play a full year Uh, having to rotate guys in you set up your offense for certain players and they don't end up playing like a progress is probably just kind of living off of what they did last year um it'll be nice having a receiving tight end like Darren Waller who's like a mismatch versus everybody there's not really anybody uh, stature wise that should be able to match up against him like it's really hard to cover anybody at 66 i think he's listed somewhere around uh 66240 so uh, that's really tough but i'm not necessarily sure it was like a training wheels thing more just like a uh, we need to win games and we don't want to have our quarterback making the big decisions that he has to make rather than, you know, letting Saquon Barkley do the work, which seemed to work pretty well. Um, if they did take the training wheels off, I would be very scared for the offense. I think that that would be a, a pretty much a, a maybe a downfall of their offense could come if they let Daniel Jones have more responsibility, given the fact that um, we saw him fail. Uh, with responsibility stretching the field a little bit albeit you know he does have the talent uh, a lot in this first couple years I would be very very curious to see um, if they really change a whole lot outside of you know maybe getting Daniel Jones more um, more involved in the run game even further than he was last year I think that would be the only real training wheels they could take off is really just letting him have full reign on the ground as well as through the air yeah what do you think about this idea, Ryan, that the Giants, you know, they don't have a ton of super special outside receivers. But what what do you think about that idea of splitting Darren Waller outside more, using him kind of as an X type target, especially in the red zone, which was kind of a place the Giants sneaky struggled last year? Um, what what do you think that could mean? For this offense, I do feel like he was kind of an addition that when it happened, people were were high on it. But it, I do feel like it's falling kind of under the radar that it, he's on this team now and he's going to be another weapon for Daniel Jones. Yeah, I think they absolutely should use him as a big red zone slot receiver in that role. I think that's definitely a way that their offense could take straps up. Uh, agree with pretty much everything Donnie said uh, in kind of breaking that down. The only thing I would add is. If you are looking to see if Daniel Jones can give you a little bit more explosive play, more so than, you know, kind of the more conventional offense, you know, didn't have a ton of interceptions, but also didn't have a ton of passing touchdowns, but also compensated that with having a handful of, you know, touchdowns on the ground, you know, could we see another gear out of this offense? You know, maybe if I were to point at anything, I would point at a guy like Jalen Hyatt, who you drafted this year and as a speedy receiver, and maybe he can help out, give you a little bit more deep play ability, maybe let Darius Slayton, you know, continue to work over the middle of the field, which he's been doing over the last couple of years, been one of the few consistent receivers that the Giants have seen. Maybe Isaiah Hodgins can kind of put together a duplicate performance, you know, one year older, still a young receiver for him. And then Paris Campbell, you know, getting him from the Colts, you know, that's another speedy receiver. So there's a little bit of options for the Giants, uh, you know, to play with some speed in addition to some of the, you know, receivers they've had in the past, like Wandale Robinson, uh, for example, that, you know, can be viewed as a gadget guy. So 
maybe there's some pieces I think Brian Day will need to continue to be creative, but I think he overaccomplished expectations a year ago. And I would say took the training wheels off Daniel Jones last year. I just question, is there still room for him to continue to grow, uh, you know, in his career? I still think so. You know, age 26 this year for Daniel Jones. So I think we could see him take some steps up and the pieces around him, I think, are just a little bit better than what he had last year. What do we think is is Daniel Jones floor right now, Donnie? I, I, I listened to a really interesting interview with uh, Jordan Rodrigue uh, on a podcast recently. I don't know if you guys heard the the play callers at all, the, the show they did yeah. on The Athletic. It was very, very good, but I heard a follow-up interview on her on that, and, and Jared Goff came up for, uh, for a moment, and um, she said kind of the Lions' focus for Jared Goff last year was saying not so much, can we let him reach his ceiling, but like let's just raise the floor for him. So I, I kind of feel the same way about Daniel Jones is that Brian Dable has done a solid job at just raising the f- floor of what Daniel Jones is because before it was the worst quarterback in the NFL at points, and now it, it feels a little bit more stable. I just wanted to ask – Donnie, what 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 you think that floor is for Daniel Jones White right now? Like, let's say this season is a quote unquote disaster for the Giants. Like, what does that look like for Daniel Jones? Is he a complete and abject failure again? And are we talking about a guy that really can't hold on to the ball and throws too many interceptions again? Or is is he more just kind of a middle of the road, like slightly under Kirk Cousins type guy? Yeah, I don't know if you're looking for a floor and if you're talking about the season going a complete disaster, I would say that probably comes with uh, obviously the interceptions would go up again. I think last year, one of the biggest things that was actually nice is they had the ball um, other years, prior years and Daniel Jones, uh, you know, just whether it was interceptions or fumbles, always an issue. Didn't really have that problem last year, it felt like, which was really nice to see. Um, so I would say that would be the biggest issue if that re if that, if that came back up at all if he ended up turning the ball over more um, or just in general as you mentioned before the red zone was a disaster for a large portion of the year it really felt like they were a mess um, but at the end of the year they were kind of sort of uh, it felt like they were doing what they were supposed to do a little bit more they had kind of figured out like what works for them in the red zone what works for them six eight yards out which was good uh, but if they went back on that progress that I felt like they made last year I would be I'd be really stunned if that happened because it feels like the coaching staff has kind of figured it out and they wouldn't let that um let him slip back into those habits year five that would be kind of crazy if he's uh if he's putting back up year one or year two habits but uh that's definitely I guess that would be the the floor would be uh he's really bad hard to even consider playing him at times because he's making bad decisions uh, which was always really I felt the biggest problem with him uh he's got the talent obviously the weapons around him are not the greatest but it's it's like league average at this point I would say given the fact considering Saquon and everything so uh, if the turnovers went up a lot uh, the the floor would be I don't know I think you can still say the floor is like he's the 25th or 26th best starting quarterback in the league like there's going to be there's always going to be quarterbacks worse than him given that just the circumstances of the situation there's some bad starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now Daniel Jones will not be the worst starting quarterback in the NFL I I think that would be stunning giving the coaching staff but the floor has got to be like the 25th 26th best quarterback and the ceiling is probably just above league average like a like a outside of the top 10 starting quarterback like I think that's pretty fair I'd say no, I, I, I would say that that assessment 
is accurate. I think we can move on to talk about the defense now. And I, I do just want to make a general comment about the, the defenses here for, for Ryan, because I, I think he tracks this kind of stuff. If I, I'm going to make a statement here and just like doing roster research for this exercise. To me, the strength of this division as a whole is you could make an argument that all four of these defensive lines are within the top 10 of the NFL. I I think you could make a very easy argument for that. And I think you could make an easy argument that three of them are in the top five, maybe because there's just a ton of talent on the defensive line throughout the division. That was the number one thing that stuck out to me. I don't know if either of you have, have recognized that a, a lot, but like, Rushing, rushing the passer, like you have got to hope your offensive lines hold up this year in the NFC East because all these teams look crazy good on paper still. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think San Francisco is another team that is up there uh, among top defensive lines. But nevertheless, yeah, all four of the teams uh, in the NFC East are certainly built strongly on the D-line. Um, and I would even say the Giants, for example, who you know, the team we're kind of touching on here, a lot of their top defensive linemen are still very young. So obviously that projects very well for them, you know, moving forward as well. Yeah, I think one of the big questions on the defensive line is what does Kevon Thibodeau's second year look like? Uh, I thought he played really well down the stretch last year, started kind of slow, got better as the year went on. Does he take that big leap? Uh, obviously, throughout his time in college, he was talked about as a guy that could come in and be kind of, you know, a, a guy that we talk about on the level of a Bosa or a Miles Garrett or, or, or something like that. I'd be interested to just see how that ends up working out for for him i want to see how that looks in year two my my comment on the giants defensive line is i didn't think there were many better defensive tackles maybe other than if your name was chris jones or aaron donald than dexter lawrence down the stretch last year i thought dexter lawrence was incredible and is maybe just a tier below the, the Donald and, and Chris Jones type conversation. Uh, I thought he did really well as a run blocker. And uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to make that comment really quickly. My question for Donnie was this, how do you, how do you feel about the secondary? Because the secondary do, does kind of scare me a little bit. Dory Jackson's got some injury issues. You know, you're counting on a rookie on the other side. Like, is it unwise to feel that way? Or, or, or are you a little bit nervous about the secondary as well? No, you, you can ask RK. It's definitely wise to feel that way, at least if you're, in my opinion, I've been saying that for, for weeks, months now, that it's a little bit uh, a little concerning. Obviously, you're going to see, um, as you mentioned, Deontay Banks, who has got a really negative rep so far at camp, uh, just doesn't look oh. like he's necessarily been ready. I think you might That's expect that, all, all, though. I mean, it's like his it's his first real exposure to anything here. Like, he's been in camp for four days. Like, I'm not expecting anybody to come in and, and wow, but it was, you know, a, a little bit concerning. You ha There's been very, very... Um, I, I'd say like a consensus negative, um, like maybe this guy is not necessarily ready to step in and play right away or, or take on this role that you expect him to, uh, next to Adori and everything you know, out there. Uh, it, it is also going to be concerning with Xavier McKinney. Uh, last year was really weird because I think you would have said coming into last year, like you're thinking, uh, if no injury involvement, obviously, because that's a, that's a really weird step of the process, but uh, the year prior, he was unbelievably good. I think you would have said like, he's got the projection to be, um, maybe not an elite player, but in the, in the 
tier below the elites in the league in terms of like what his overall ceiling was. And last year, it was a real step back. It felt like uh, even when he uh, obviously he was hurt, but when he was on the field, it was really, uh, it really hit or miss. And again, uh, I've been saying this for a while. It's going to be very, very nerve wracking to watch Cordell Flaude and Darnay Holmes on the field almost all the time. One of those guys will be on the field for the defense. Uh, it didn't seem like it worked out for large portions of last year. Hopefully another year. Obviously, Darnay Holmes has been in the league for a couple of years now. Cordell Flott was a rookie last year, so hopefully uh, some progression there. And then Bobby McCain back there with Xavier McKinney. It's going to be interesting because Bobby McCain was like a- actually half decent. It felt like um, watching him play in the division at least it felt like it's like a decent it's not you're getting uh, you're getting worlds of talent out of somebody like that uh but it will be helpful uh obviously it's gonna be tough i don't know how necessarily they're gonna bounce back from some of their losses like i think you would have said and i don't know necessarily like what the thought process was but i think you would have said coming to the draft and that it would and maybe free agency that it would have been more than just like a first round pick they would have really spent some serious money trying to help the db crew but um yeah i i think you can definitely argue that this is like a bottom third of the league unit probably a little bit closer to the top of the bottom third than the actual bottom but um there's definitely some some scary question marks there and uh obviously when you lose a player that gets big money like julian love uh you have to replace him at some point doesn't look like there's necessarily a replacement for him at this point so we're going to see who steps in and takes that role it, it's going to be a really weird year for the Giants secondary I think mm. yeah um I think we can move on from the Giants now on to uh the Washington Commanders and uh my my question was just offensively what like what what is this team going to look like I mean it does feel like there has been a surprisingly like a lot uh, among national media members of hype around Sam Howell, which I just totally do not buy as, as a, as a premise. I, I think that freaking out over one okay start is, is not really a, a, a fair comparison. Uh, you know, obviously they've got Eric B enemy now, which, you know, that, that could be seen as, as an edge, but, the thing I, I, I just want to start our conversation with here because I, I honestly don't have a ton to say about the Washington Commanders other than congrats that you got rid of your terrible owner. Hopefully things start to turn around for you is like this. This offense remains kind of the same, like the way it's looked for the past few years. And every year we say, oh, wow, what an underrated wide receiving core. But like at some point, you've got to like put up and shut up and Terry McLaurin had a really bad year last year. Jahan Dotson wasn't great. I would McLaurin was not that bad last year. He had a down year for his standards. At least I thought, I thought the best receiver on that team last year was Curtis Samuel for stretches. And then most yards he's had in his career last year. Terry McLaurin was kind of killing it. Uh, I mean, I think it was just inconsistency more than anything. Cause like the team in general, who's throwing to him, but like, I thought Terry was good last year. I don't know. I I I I'm He's kind probably of the best lo- player on that offense. Yeah, I mean that 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 could be fair, but I just I'm losing steam on the I'm losing steam on the hype machine of of Terry McLaurin. Like I've just done it too many times. Like let let's see you like win some games because of it. Like I I, I he's kind of in the like Jerry Judy category for me these no, days. Where no, like, I don't think that's fair at all. McLaurin's much much better than Judy. Right. Well, he's more proven, but like they're they're kind of the same player right now. Like I don't agree. Okay. Honest. All right. Um my my point of starting actually was 
as it has various every year there's like a ton of antonio gibson smoke there has been since like literally otas uh is antonio gibson actually going to like produce this year or, or are we just in for another year of a, a really mediocre running back getting touches stolen by Bijan robinson who was like much better than him last year well it'll be brian robinson Bijan's in atlanta oh, but nevertheless sure. I think that Gibson uh, still gets involved in the offense as a receiver. Like, I think that's obviously where he, you know, separates himself from Brian Robinson. But, uh, I mean, that's probably the one-two punch, and it's, you know, not necessarily one that I greatly fear, especially given the fact that I think it's a good, not great offensive line that they have. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I don't think you should look at Gibson and say this is a a top-tier running back, not even close, but I think his ability as a receiver is going to get him on the field and and that offense for Eric Bieniemy. Is it foolish that Ron Rivera, who might be on the hot seat, is like so wholeheartedly leaning into Sam Howell this year? Because you paid Jacoby Brissett like a kind of insane amount of money to come be your backup. And say what you will about Jacoby Brissett. But when he plays in a good system, when he's asked to manage the game in Cleveland at points last year, in everywhere he started, he can give you stretches where he is a league average quarterback and he will win you games. Why aren't they going with why aren't they going with him? I don't I don't understand that to me. To me, it doesn't make a lot of sense that Jacoby Brissett is not starting the year. I understand starting Jacoby Brissett for eight weeks and then going four and four in those weeks and having four really good weeks and four really bad weeks and saying like, okay, well, let's try to make a push with Sam Howell. But it doesn't make a lot of sense for to me with a new owner and your coach being on the hot seat because you'd imagine if it doesn't go well this year, the new owner just cleans house and Ron Rivera is gone and we we're looking at a rebuild here. Um, why, what, why does this coaching staff hate Jacoby Brissett? I, I just don't understand that. I mean, it's like, do, do they hate him or do they just want to see what they have out of Howell before they go to somebody like Brissett? I mean, like, I don't know. You wouldn't want, I, and it's like a decent question because obviously I think you would say if you give a full season to both of these quarterbacks, I think you can rationalize that Jacoby Brissett would likely give you a better outcome uh, by the end of the year. I don't think that's like a crazy thing to say, but again, I think the NFL more than anything is just like a, you have to play to get this type of experience to see what we have type league. And I, I'm sure that the commanders would love to do that um, with Sam Howell. I don't know necessarily if, um, you know, Jacoby Brissett is going to would make that much of a difference. I don't know if this commander's team is really going to be that great. I don't know if RK feels the same way. I don't know if you feel the same way, Eric, but I'm thinking the commanders are going to be pretty mediocre this year. I don't think the ceiling is that high. So uh, maybe the point there is kind of just like if Sam Howell stinks, if he's really bad, Jacoby Brissett will play. That's almost a guarantee. I don't think there's any question there, but uh, I would at least want to see it if Sam Howell has a higher ceiling than Jacoby Brissett on the weekly week to week basis, given the fact that um, if you want, you want a game manage, you know, Jacoby Brissett can do that. But if you want to maybe potentially do more than that, I think Sam Howell's, upside would probably be high enough to where the risk is kind of worth taking let's say they have an a, a 500 ish season they win eight games nine games maybe like ron Rivera won't get fired at that point uh the enemy will get decent amount of looks as a head coach elsewhere if he brings sam howell into an offense that works like there's definitely a positive side to playing an unproven quarterback if it works out really well then you have so much trust out of anybody and everybody whether it's the fan base the media your ownership so uh, obviously it's really risky um but 
Riverboat Ron. You know, gotta gotta believe in Ron Rivera a little bit. This is his. This is what he wants to do. This is who he wants to be. Um, it'll be better than them handing the ball off eight hundred times like they did last year. That was uh, it was a little bit concerning to see how much they were running like Brian Robinson and everything. Like the guy got shot, and then he was out there taking twenty carries every week. Like it, it's it's a little bit concerning. But how doesn't much they it the feel ball. like that's kind of a way they're gonna run this thing, even if Sam Howell starts? Oh, like they're, if, they're gonna, if they they're gonna be a the run ball, first team. If they ran the ball as much as they did last year, the season would be very unsuccessful again. Because I I don't know, realistically speaking, like I don't really remember either Robinson or Gibson being that great. Like obviously you get production out of these guys on the ground. Gibson, as RK mentioned, going to catch the ball, going to give you a decent receiving back. But I don't think either of those running backs is really good enough to where you can rely on them. Whereas like a team like, let's say the Giants who ran a similar amount, you know, you have that running back you can lean on. Like, are, are you really, if you're a Commanders fan, thinking, oh, we're going to lean on this run game again, and Terry McLaurin is going to be sort of kind of wasted, at least not going to get the, the uh, end zone, um, the end zone targets, the end zone looks. Like, you kind of got to go. You, you got to go different. They got to go away from that. Like, they, they got to throw the ball more. There's going to be more RPOs, I'm sure, which would give Sam Howell a little bit more. I don't know, like he gets to do something. Like, the, the offense has got to be better than last year because last year watching that team was just hard sometimes. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with Donnie. I think by the end of the year, we're going to see both Brissett and Howell get, you know, a considerable amount of play. But I think they're going to start with Howell, see if BNME can unleash some of that potential and see where it goes from there. Okay. My question about the defense is this. Obviously, I think on paper, it's a good defense. I, I have questions with Emmanuel Forbes as, as kind of a, a rookie cornerback and, and some of the safety play I'm not as familiar with. But Kendall Fuller is a decent corner, and obviously we know that the defensive line is elite, and they've they've got some decent they they've got Cody Barton as their middle linebacker, and he's been a veteran NFL linebacker for a long time. Do we think because this has always been a problem for Ron Rivera? If you look back at his seasons in Carolina, if you look at his seasons here in Washington, his defenses always start slow. They always get good when it gets to like October and November and they finish the year as top 10 units, but they're never consistently that all the way through. Do you think the defense, now that this is his, what, third year in Washington, they, the players know the scheme, they know how it works. Can the defense start as fast as they typically finish this year? Because I, I think if they do, the commanders have a sneaky good chance of being able to maybe make the playoffs as that, that seven seed in, in a pretty kind of mediocre bottom tier of the NFC. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily think I'm thinking wild card for them just to be honest, but I think that a lot of times their defensive pieces have just gotten injured. So whether last year we saw Chase Young get injured for a while or in years past and Montez sweat, has dealt with injuries. So like when they're fully out there with potential, like you're right, when you can line up that D line, go chase young, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez sweat, like you can, you know, pretty much stack that up against just about anybody else's D line first, you know, for a starting unit at least. So, um, I mean, there's some pieces to like, but I don't think that there's necessarily as much depth as you'd want, uh, which is why they haven't been able to kind of get over the top when they've dealt with some injuries. So, uh, potentials there, but I don't necessarily think that, you know, we'll be looking at a top 10, defense for Washington all right that's Washington for me did either of you have any anything else you wanted to say on them I, I do feel like they, they I would not be shocked if they come in this year new ownership change new new team kind of dynamic 
wouldn't be shocked if they start hot if we're looking at this team in October and saying, wow, like the commanders are 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 three and two or four and one. Like that, that wouldn't shock me. But uh, I, I'm just interested to see how, how things play out for them, uh, especially with Sam Howe. All right, let's get to RK's team, the Eagles. And honestly, I did not have many notes on, on the Eagles because I, I do feel like for as much quote-unquote change as they had last year, they did kind of end up running it back. Their offensive line looks pretty much the same. The weapons look the same. I have some questions about the health of running backs, uh, especially if you're if you are going to roll out, you know, Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift as your one-two back combination. That's like both those guys have had some pretty scary injury histories over the past few years. But other than that, I, I feel very good. You know, Jalen Hurts to me, I've said this pretty much all offseason after the way he played in the Super Bowl, like. I believe that that is sustainable for him. I thought his best game of the year came in that Super Bowl. And if he plays that way for a full year, he can be an MVP candidate. Most, most definitely. Um, I feel like he's clearly the second best quarterback in the NFL right now, but I, I don't know. RK, what, what are you expecting out of this offense? More of the same. Do you think, you know, no Shane Steichen, maybe they slow down a little bit or, do you think there's any Super Bowl hangover? I guess that's a cliche question I could ask. I just don't have that, that many questions about the, the Philadelphia Eagles offense, to be honest with you. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it overall. I mean, you addressed a lot of the you know changes that did occur. I think probably the offensive coordinator spot, you mentioned Shane Steichen. They go with Brian Johnson, who was their quarterback coach. So hopefully you got a little continuity with the group there, uh, you know, already having, you know, some familiarity with, uh, with what the Eagles are doing on offense. So that helps, you know, a small change on the offensive line. I think we're going to see Cam Juergens uh, start a lot more games, probably at guard. Uh, this year, having lost Isaac Sayamalo in free agency, so a uh, little little tiny change up front on on the right guard spot. But other than that, I mean, I feel pretty good about it. You mentioned the running backs; I'm not really too concerned about it because realistically, at the end of the year, we saw Kenneth Gainwell probably take over that starting role uh, more so than Miles Sanders, anyways. So even if we do get injuries to DeAndre Swift or Rashad Penny, which yeah, probably is a little likely if we're you know just basing it off their recent history, I still think Gainwell it can you know do a serviceable enough job considering they still have. Good weapons around them um you know with their with their top receivers with aj brown and Devonte smith and dallas goddard at tight end so uh i'm pretty excited i think there's a lot of potential you know got to keep jalen hurts healthy obviously we know he got injured for a couple of games at the end of last year and uh you know that we had some some tough tough game against the saints when gardner Minshew had to step in so i think keep making sure jalen hurts is healthy because obviously he's uh you know his rushing attack is a big part of what the eagles can do uh is going to be very important but um i think that we'll see a, a pretty successful group uh, you know, if uh, on paper, at least going into next year. One thing I just want to pick your brain on uh, as an Eagles fan, um, because I, I do sneaky like some of the names they have. What do you think about their their receiving depth? You know, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, obviously that's a pretty great one-two punch right now. But behind that, it's kind of Quez Watkins who, who showed some flashes last year and definitely is part of the offense. But what do you think about some of the the depth guys be behind uh, Brown and Smith right now? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's weak. I mean, you're you're spot on correct. It's not very deep outside of that. And even Quez Watkins, who pretty much was that, you know, wide receiver three, you know, had his ups and downs, had some moments, had some touchdowns, but, um, you know, also could be a little frustrating at times, even for someone who's got pretty good outright speed. So that's definitely an area you maybe look to address. I know like Britton Covey, for example, is kind of the guy on their roster because he would get a lot of special team snaps. So, um, you know, maybe that could be an area they look to change or add a body to uh, once we get kind of to those, you know, uh, you know, end of training camp cuts. And uh, maybe there's another veteran out there that would be willing to sign for cheap, uh, to you know, be kind of some insurance wide receiver four type area for the Eagles. But um, yeah, you're right. That's definitely a weaker area, but I think it's compensated a little bit by the fact that they're not afraid to use a couple different tight ends. Like we would even see Grant Calcutta or Jack Stoll get a decent amount of snaps at the end of last year. So um, maybe that could change. Obviously you mentioned the new offensive coordinator with Brian Johnson and Tennessee and Steichen could be one of those small little changes in terms of personnel they look to make, but um, yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a weak group outside of uh, outside of AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Yeah, it's just a little bit interesting. I, I, I do like, uh, I can't say his first name, but I do like Zacchaeus. I, I do. I thought he had some promising moments in Atlanta over the first few years of his career. I think that's one depth, depth piece I'm interested to see. Uh, maybe get some snaps a little bit if, if things go a little sideways, which we know that they tend to do in the NFL. Uh, but other than that, man, I, I do. I it, it is a really great offense. My question comes on the defense. It, it only really comes at one position. I thought I'd have more questions on defense. I do feel like losing Jonathan Gannon might be an upgrade because there were times last year where he wasn't a very good defensive coordinator. Uh, but obviously the biggest you know, holes, you know, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, unfortunately now injured and out for the season, I believe, for Detroit. Um, but he's gone. So you're kind of looking for at a new pair of safeties and kind of a new nickel corner. Uh, how, how are you feeling about the secondary? Obviously James Bradbury, Darius Slay, still very good, still both there. Yeah, you're right. Safety is definitely kind of the spot to circle. They sent Terrell Edmonds from Pittsburgh. So uh, he probably, you know, tentatively slots in that role. You also have Reed Blankenship and Kevon Wallace, who uh, have gotten a decent amount of snaps uh, in seasons past for the Eagles. And then also Sidney Brown, who they drafted uh, on day two of the draft this year, someone I'm really high on. So I think he could, you know, potentially be a, a good rookie uh, presence right away. But, uh, you know, hopefully at least. But um, in terms of slot corner, I think they're actually set pretty good. Devontae Maddox, I think when he's healthy, is one of the best slot corners in all of the NFL. Uh, it's nice that he can do that with Slay and Bradbury there. Uh, we did see Josiah Scott have to fill in at slot corner at times last year. thought he was all right you know, fine for, you know, that uh, depth spot where he's filling in for an injury, I thought, but um, say a guy like Zach McPherson, who they took in the fourth round a couple years ago, maybe hoped he would have taken a little bit more steps up in his game. Maybe you find something out of Keely Ringo, who you took in the fourth round. So uh, there's some young bodies that they may look to, you know, give a little bit more time. Greedy Williams is, I guess, another name to mention who they signed this year in free agency. So, um, I mean, I think secondary is definitely going to be an important position for them. Uh, they opted to kind of keep their older CB duo with Bradbury and Slay. Uh, there was, you know, some rumors about if Slay would come back at all. So obviously that decision being made impacted things a little bit, but um, I think they were good enough last year. You have some health concerns, but um, I, I think with given how the fact that how good their defensive line is, you know, the secondary should be able to get by um, at least, you know, like I said, should with, with healthy bodies, there's a little bit of concern there, but um, I think it's in a, in a pretty solid spot overall. Yeah, no, 
I like the defense a lot. So obviously the front seven's pretty loaded. You bring in Jalen Carter, all the camp reports yeah. about him are good. You're still too deep at basically everywhere on the defensive line and linebackers. Um, yeah, I mean, you got it, Nolan Smith too. Can't forget yeah, him. Yep. It's pretty, pretty crazy how good the defense might look. And, and that brings, brings me to though, uh, the Cowboys. And, and the question I just have to ask, and I, I do like the Eagles defense. I, I do, but to me, I, I think the best defense in the NFL and definitely in this division belongs to the Cowboys. I mean, it, it is kind of crazy what they are bringing back right now. Like you have maybe the best edge rush duo in the NFL and Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. You know, I, I like Odigizua a lot on the inside. They bring in, you know, Mozzie Smith as well. Now, now I this is his second year, I believe, or was he the guy they drafted this year? He uh, was drafted this year. You know, solid interior defensive presence. Leighton Vander Esch had a little bit of a career resurgence of points last year. You know, decent linebacking core. You've got Jabril Cox as well. And then you bring in Stephon Gilmore to be your cornerback aside Trevon Diggs. And the suddenly it, it, it looks kind of elite, this Cowboys defense. I, I don't know. I, I know that it's it's bad to buy Cowboys help hype, and I'm never going to do anything crazy again, like say I think they'll win the Super Bowl. But I do think on paper you can make a very solid argument that with Dan Quinn back and just what they do on defense, this is just going to be one of the hardest defenses to play in the NFL each week. And for that reason, I think no matter what the offense looks like under Mike McCarthy, I do think the Cowboys are probably a playoff team and, you know, very, very likely, you know, it's the NFC East. Like I I'm obviously picking the Eagles to win the division again, but it's the NFC East and we haven't had a repeat NFC East division winner. I'm sure you guys would know the exact number. It feels like in, you know, 10 years or yeah. Like it's, it's been a long, been a long time. Like the Cowboys, like they have the blueprint to stop the Eagles is, is my, is my point. If I was the Eagles offense, I would be very afraid of this Cowboys defense. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like on paper, that's pretty loaded. Uh, their defensive group, and they still have Dan Quinn. You know, calling the shots, defensive coordinator. You know, we, you can maybe criticize him for being, you know, an okay head coach, but I do think he's a pretty damn good defensive coordinator. So um, that obviously helps having that continuity. So I mean, yeah, you you bring up really really strong points. I think you know this definitely projects as a you know top uh, notch defense group. Donnie. Yeah, you know, maybe I'm not as as high. I'd still, I'd probably pick the Niners defense just in general because of what they did last year. Like we saw the absolutely incredible performance for them. But yeah, uh, it's always annoying playing the Cowboys. You know, you just uh, as a Giants fan, I've pretty much come to accept uh, the games are not going to go well in 85 to 90 percent of the case. Uh, it's going to be a bad offensive game for the Giants against the Cowboys defense. It's been that way for a couple of years. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, only getting stronger here. Uh, it seems like the the DB duo is a little scary as well although you know i i don't i don't know exactly what trevon Diggs is like I, i'm not necessarily sure if he's the best db ever or if he's just like uh boomer bust hit or miss going for big plays maybe makes mistakes type db and that's what he's going to be but yeah you know cowboys uh 
RK and I have come very we we've become very used to the Cowboys having a solid defense, and I think this year will be no uh no different. Yeah, I mean, I I I I I'm just very excited to watch the Cowboys defense. I really am. I I think that they're going to be a fun group to watch, fun group to pay attention to, and I I think that they can help carry this offense. Which now now we have to ask questions about and say, you know. Okay, let's let's just all agree on on something here. Dak Prescott is a top ten quarterback. Can can we all agree on that? Like I don't agree. So, sometimes it fluctuates, but like at his core, he can be a top ten quarterback. He can be, but I wouldn't put yeah. him in the top ten. At Where my would... core, I could be a top ten quarterback. I'm just saying. I think they should give the reins of this offense to Dak Prescott and just well, let let him run it this year. I know they're not going to. I know it's going to be Mike McCarthy. I know it's going to be bad, but like, I don't know. Part of me just thinks if you if you leaned into Dak's strengths, if you ran him more, he needs to run more. He doesn't like. I know he he had that injury and he's admitted that that changed the way he plays. But he is a big human being. Like. If he became like a runner, he could have a Josh Allen type kind of trucking. See, I, I think he could be a red zone runner, but I don't think he's got the speed of Josh Allen to be to where you can work it into your offense on a you know between the twenties type mm. regular play call. Hmm. I I would agree with that assessment as well, but I just feel like they need to use his mobility more. I also I don't I don't really understand how the run games could be. I know people love Tony Pollard, but like I, I want to see it for a full season. Uh obviously it'll be an upgrade over what Ezekiel Elliott had become, but I, I don't know. Are you well, gonna they I, got I, my I, guy Deuce Vaughn? Can't forget that. That is true. He he will be a nice change. I, I, of big, pace I big time fear Deuce Vaughn. No um, I I don't know. If it feels like I'm stammering here and I don't have a lot to say, it's because it's true. I just don't know how to feel about the Cowboys' offense. I I really don't. Like I, mean, I, on I paper, think they have a good team, but they'll probably choke in the playoffs. I could have given you this analysis the last twenty years. It's the same story. Been, I've been telling this for five years now, at least. Yeah, I've literally yeah, been saying I know. the exact same thing. I, and I do feel, me every yeah, year. Can we can we agree that Dak Prescott is not, no? Let's uh, let's let's get let's get past the fact. Uh, first off, your question was, will the offense like Dak take over and cook? Like this guy throws six hundred times a year. If he stays healthy, he's gonna throw six hundred times a year. He's gonna go out there. He's gonna cook until he has to do something important, and he's not gonna cook anymore. Like this is this is the Dak Prescott playbook. That's what 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 it is. That's what it's been. You could give him whatever receivers you wanted to. Uh, he would find a way to mess it up uh, at some point. Uh, I, and it's just like it's not that much of a question at this point. Like, obviously, is he it, it really is just new, is he really just new age Tony Romo? Is that really? I mean, what he, this first is? off, let's be honest here. Like, I think it'd be very you'd find a, a lot of trouble like coming up with. You might be able to put Dak at like ten or nine, but I don't think he's anywhere close to like the actual tier one or tier two quarterbacks in the league. No, like, no, really. If right. you, if you were comparing a Dak Prescott to like a, a Justin Herbert or a Joe Burrow type quarterback, but we I'd can be... agree that he's still a lot better than like a Kirk Cousins type, right? Or is he closer he's, he's to that similar. than we think? He's similar to a Cousins. He's better, but similar. He, they're, they're probably not like like too crazy far off, honestly. Like I think that, that you have been very wishy-washy on your Dak Prescott love slash hate over the last couple of years. We need to get to a point, Eric, where you just, we're anti-Dak Prescott. We need to get to the point where the Cowboys offense isn't going to work, even if know. it isn't 
it might not be Dak Prescott's fault that the offense doesn't work, but there's there's going to be an opportunity at some point for them to make a mistake and fail. And the Cowboys offense will make a mistake and they will fail. And it will probably be Dak Prescott's failure, as we've seen countless times. Also, I just want to mention that guy's kind of fragile at this point, like a little bit fragile at this point. So to, he's missed a lot of games over the last three years, it feels like. like that is maybe, true. Maybe Dak Prescott running the ball would be a bad idea just in that that scenario. I understand that the thought would be moving him up the field would be a really good idea to actually like unlock some offense a little bit. I'm afraid if Dak Prescott taking hits, like I don't, I don't think, I don't think you want Dak Prescott taking hits at this point. I think that's like a little bit, uh, maybe would be a concern point for me, uh, just in general. I mean, and you know, obviously you don't even want to talk about the interceptions last year, which was uh, a massive problem as well. But yeah, Eric, we need to get you back. Off the, the Cowboys Dak Prescott offense train, we just need to we need to leave it at they're gonna make a mistake at some point. They're gonna screw this up. Just just leave it be. Oh yeah, I know, I know I've got it. It's just tough. I just want to move on. I want him to be good. Like I want the Cowboys at some point to win something. That's just that's what I want. Like I they I, win I, they win plenty. We need to remember they win plenty during the regular season. They win a lot of games during the regular season. I think Dak Prescott's probably got like 60 or 70 wins in the regular season over his career. But once you get to the it just it doesn't you're not gonna win anything there. Just like let them win their 10 games and then and then they'll make the playoffs and lose to whoever they play. Probably the Eagles. I would say that's a good uh, a good bet come playoff time that, that will be uh that will be a loss given the fact that I think the Eagles win the division and they won't. Let's just, we need to back off the Cowboys hype train. Last year, you were so anti Dallas Cowboys. I got like yelled at for, we were picking playoff teams. I remember this specifically going, going back and forth, picking playoff teams. I picked the Cowboys and Eric was like, how dare you? What a, what a stupid over them. Like, Eric, we just got we got to leave it. 10 win team, mediocre oh, quarterback, mediocre I've just offense. Been defense is good. Into it just a let it be. Bit. Stop. I don't stop know. letting them talk. Stop reading what what the media is saying. Stop. We, first off, I just want to mention too. We started off this with with like training camp, uh, training camp whispers. Don't listen to the training camp whispers. Don't let them permeate through your brain. It's not important. It's 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 so irrelevant to anything that's actually going to happen in the regular season on the field. That yeah. anything that happens, just just got to let it be. Just got to let it. Oh, go. I just want them to. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I'm I'm just internally conflicted with the Cowboys. I don't I don't know how to accurately I mean yeah I and I, I probably disagree I will with say. this I, I probably disagree with the statement but he I, I probably if you force me to make a top 10 quarterbacks list I'd probably have him at 11 but like well, it's just hard man he, he has shown that he has the ability to be an elite quarterback but and he's, he's just, shown he has the ability to lose in the playoffs and have a bad game and throw interceptions and make uh, mistakes and 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 yeah, he's got pieces around him. Like he doesn't have excuses. Like he needs to deliver. He needs to he needs to get what? playoff wins. He hasn't done what? that. He's a regular season quarterback. Let me just ask you guys, like, what does a Mike McCarthy offense even look like in the year of 2023? Ezekiel Elliott at center. <laughs> yeah. Miss Not that. Miss like, that. Like I I I'm afraid that this is gonna be part of me is very afraid that the, like part of me sees that. They've got Brandon Cooks. Like, okay, there's some verticality here. Like, they could be explosive and exciting. But part of me is also like, oh, this is Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott. Well, I'll, like, I'll give you there's this. no way this doesn't end in like total. He also disaster. lost his. He also lost his security blanket in Dalton Schultz. Like he was that was yeah. his guy. Yeah, that's a loss. That's a big loss for them. Yeah, that does hurt. Man, I could see the Cowboys' offense being so bad. I really could see them <laughs> being so bad this year. Well, you. I, I think another thing that hasn't even been mentioned here is like, what's the Zach Martin deal? Like what's going on there? Nobody has any idea. It seems like it's bad too. Cause Jerry was like, 
Jerry's being a little yeah, bit that, that was a that was a wild quote by Jerry. Jerry Jerry's got a, that was that was part of my friends. That was a little bit of a shithead quote out of Jerry Jones. Like like everybody they gotta make their like no that, pay, so that's your best that's maybe your best offensive player. No, he, I would say he like I, I maybe I, like, mean, I guess I, could probably... for as much changes that line goes through year to year he does seem like he's there a lot to anchor it so yeah uh, i'm I'm always anti the let's not talk let's not talk bad about uh our our best players let's let's not do that jerry jones uh you know who knows what's even happening nobody has any clue what's happening there nobody knows what what there's a lot of question marks on that end and if, if he didn't play if zach martin's not playing like you're 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 done the season the season's cash like just call it a day all right so I think we can wrap this up now. I want to make sure I get you guys out of here in a timely manner. I will. I will brag here really quick. We got this done in under an hour. So oh, that is oh. good for you, Eric. I will give you your your your, your self proclaimed. Uh, look at me. I did a good job. I'll give it to you. Nice job. That was pretty good. Um, division the way it ends up wise, like I wouldn't be shocked. Okay, I'll just say this: wouldn't be shocked. If we get to December and we're like, oh, the Eagles are going in as a wild card team. But like there's no way like on paper right now with the evidence that we have that I can pick anything other than the Eagles winning this division. The Cowboys probably make the playoffs. Giants, the tier below that, commanders, the tier below that. Giants might make the playoffs. I'd be shocked if the commanders do, but yeah, that that's kind of the way I feel with how this division plays out this year. Wouldn't wouldn't shock me either if if the Giants, you know, take a step forward in year two of Brian Dable and end up being the second team. I mean, I, I think they have a potential to finish better than the Cowboys do for sure. But that that's kind of how I feel about the division at least. Yeah, I think there'll be at least two playoff teams, uh, maybe three. Yeah, not including Washington. Yeah, I, I would assume that it ends up in the same exact order as last year. Like, I think that's a pretty good bet if there was anything that was going to happen. I think the Eagles are definitely number one. Cowboys are are probably a safe bet for number two. Um, there's a lot of people picking the Giants to be like a seven or eight win team. So uh, maybe they'll they'll build off of the underdog mentality again next year. Um, but like, regardless, like there's two teams in the division that really matter. And one of them that actually really matters, and it's the Eagles. I think the Cowboys are always a fraud. The Giants are just there to have fun. And then the Commanders are... Who really, who really knows, honestly? Who who knows what you're getting at? But I think you could probably bet 2022 standings, 2023 standings should look very similar in terms of win-loss and how they're top to bottom, I would guess. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Where, where can people find the, uh, the Roth podcast? Donnie, Everywhere. I mean, if you want to go on Twitter, if you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, it, there's not a guarantee that we're going to see everything that's on Instagram. There, there we Sometimes we miss these things, but Roth Podcast on Twitter is a pretty good place. Roth Podcast, uh, you can find us on Instagram. We also, uh, our podcast is everywhere where you find podcasts pretty much. Like I don't even do anything and ends up everywhere on random podcast platforms. So uh, we'll take that and never going to argue about that. But yeah, uh, definitely feel free. Roth Podcast, we answer pretty much any question you ask. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to our, our past episodes, they've been timestamped thanks to Eric Jetson himself. Uh, complaining about that uh, i forgot to do it one week i haven't i haven't forgotten since for eric jensen sake himself i've done that i did that specifically for eric nobody else nobody else has, has got this so i just want you to know that eric i've really put in an effort because Thank of your you, Donnie. i appreciate your that question. I, I haven't i haven't quite gotten to this week's episode yet but i, I plan on getting to it maybe tonight or tomorrow okay whatever hey, I, I, I believe you on that a lot of people that's lip service but eric actually means that so i appreciate it 
I, I believe in Eric. I mean, obviously, yeah, Eric, the, the information the information's not going anywhere. You can you can listen whenever you want to. Uh, it's gonna be the Might same. Might save him for my plane trip to Chicago. Actually, that that nice. that, would, that would be that would be it. You going back to Wrigley? Yeah, I'm going to Lala. Oh, uh, so I, I'm I'm excited for that. Are you still in Chicago, Ryan? Uh, you know, actually, there's a chance I'll be there uh, that week. So yeah, let me know, man. All right, sure. Yeah, I think I'll be mainly in the downtown area. So, uh, okay. but yeah, anyhow. Thank you both so much for joining us. Uh, thank you to Aramis Hits. We have a new podcast logo. I don't know if either of you guys saw that on Twitter, but uh, uh, hopefully I, I it didn't quite take when I updated it last time on Podbean. So hopefully this time around, uh, this podcast will have the new logo on it. Very cool by Aramis. Thank you so much to him. And uh, we, we have a new uh, college football logo too, which will be debuting when we bring that show back. Uh, in August at some point. Uh, Thanks to Donnie on that one. All right. With that, we will see you all on Tuesday. Maybe a surprise episode Monday, but the guest is a little wishy-washy, so I don't want to tease anything too much. Uh, But Tuesday, we'll be back with Trey Watkins for an AFC South preview. Until then, we will see you next time. Peace out.